I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. If you are new here, you will find all things fun, hippie, woo-woo, and metaphysical, plus happiness. I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you tuning into the show every week, and I try to bring you the most fabulous guests imaginable. If you are craving more happiness after listening to this podcast, check out BUFindHappy.com, where you'll find all sorts of tangible tools, tips, tricks, and resources to incorporate more happiness in your life. Learn to speak your truth with grace and live a courageous life of authenticity. And remember, if you like this podcast, please click subscribe. Udo, welcome back to Be You Find Happy. I'm so excited because we got to talk before and we like ran out of time with all the cool stuff that we needed to talk about that we didn't even get to talk about flaxseed and all that you've done there and uh, other beautiful things. I mean, there was something else really important too. Um, So I'm really... Weren't we talking about thirst of the heart? Yes, that's what we're going to talk about. Thirst uh, of the heart. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, let's, let's do it. so much good stuff to talk about that it's, uh, you know. <laughs> uh, well, so, I, I, I've, had my, I've had my shares of ups and downs and uh, lessons that came out of that. <laughs> so. Oh, haven't we all? Boy, I'll tell you what. It's about the journey, no doubt. Um, so, so, listen, I would love to hear about thirst of of the heart. And not only that, but, um, you know, for those listeners who maybe didn't catch the last episode, could you just share a little bit about yourself and all that you do? Yeah. Okay. So I, I was born, I'm, uh, I was born in 1942 in the middle of the second world war in the place where the second world war was happening. Uh, part of Poland that is the part of Germany that was part of it was Poland before, then became Germany, and then became Poland again. <laughs> so I was born there, and we were refugees when I was under just under three, uh, fleeing from the communists. They were chasing us in trucks and tanks, and and the people who uh, got caught by them ended up living in Siberia in the Gulag. If, you, if that's a concept to you, look it up. G G U L A G. And we luckily made it out. We were fleeing down roads on women with young children, um, on dirt roads, no military presence. And the allies were using us as target practice. So we were getting it from the back and the front. And they were shooting at us from planes, uh, air air artillery. Uh, Needless to say, this is a pretty hectic time. And I remember mostly just the anxiety and the, the like the confusion and the nothing that I could I didn't know what I could trust. I didn't feel safe. Obviously, you don't feel safe in a place like that when you're two years old. And uh, and it rubbed my nose very early in the fact that if we don't deliberately cultivate peace and goodwill and cooperation and harmony, when we have the luxury to do that, we will always drift 
towards, uh, well, through discontent to destruction. And so I started thinking about this when I was six years old, when people were arguing and said, man, there must be a way that people can live in harmony. And I'm going to find out how. Then that led me into sciences and then biosciences and psychology. And then I took a year of medicine because I wanted to know what health is. Ended up finding out it's it's actually focused on disease. That's not what I was interested in. So I went back into biochemistry and genetics because there you're in, in biology. You're learning about health because you're studying normal creatures in normal situations, in normal environments. And uh, then I left university and got into self-knowledge because the thing I most needed to know, and it took me 30 years to find it out, is that I needed to know how I work. And so that's my background. And then I, I did some other things, got poisoned by pesticides from careless use, and then got very interested in health and developed a method for making oils with health in mind, out of which came flaxseed oil. I'm Some people call me the father of flax or the father of flaxseed oil. Wow. And then I work with digestion, and I fundamentally now I'm very interested in two topics. One is health, because everything affects health. So under the umbrella of health, I can talk, I can address everything on the planet, and I like doing that. And uh, the other one is human nature, because most of what we need to know is inside of us, and most of where we're looking is everywhere else. And it's about time and we're under pressure to finally come to terms with ourselves and how we function and how we can live on this planet without destroying ourselves, each other and it. So that's that's a short summary. That is just truly fabulous. Um, So talk to me a little bit about the concepts of uh, of thirst of the heart and how that works and how people can kind of tap into this space. Right. Right. So. So how we ended up? Got, Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 looked, I was looking in my ear to see if it was me. <laughs> uh, so, well, the thirst of the heart has a history. The when we're in our mother's body before we're born, we're in an we're in an idyllic environment. Because there's nothing to do and nowhere to go. Everything is provided. Everything you need is provided. And it's safe, relatively safe. And so in that environment, we're just floating in a little tank. I call it the Buddha tank. We're floating in a little tank, hanging on a little cord. Nothing, you know, we're just growing. There's not a whole lot to feel. And our awareness is, is it's the focus of our awareness is at rest inside, in its source, inside our body, in the energy of life. So we're present inside and absent outside. And when a person is present, when their focus of awareness is present, Inside, in the energy or the awareness of their being, that's called the Buddha state, enlightened, filled with light. And, you know, uh, the light, light is, a, is, a to- is a big topic. The energy that keeps you alive can be seen as light, can be heard as sound, can be felt as feeling. That energy 
is your life. That energy is who you in your personal essence are. Uh, we say we we think of ourselves as the body, but we're not. The, we are not the body. We are the owners of the body. That's why we say this is my body. And so, so in so in that place inside where we are at that time, there's complete peace. There is unconditional love. There is is calmness. We feel whole. We are one. There's nothing. There's not even the concept that we could be separated from anything. And so we're present inside and absent outside. We don't even know there is an outside. And then we get born and everything changes. And now through our senses, our awareness goes out into the world because we have to get to know the world because we have to survive in it. So we have to know what's what, what's friend, what's foe. We have to make very quick assessments whenever there's change, either sound or or or, or um, vision. And we have to assess, is this friend, is this foe, or is this irrelevant? And so we do that very quickly. And on the basis of our assessment, we then determine what we need to do, like either ignore it or run like hell or 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 walk, get closer, embrace it, be attracted to it. How often and, do you think that we get confused by what? How often do you think we aren't clear, like by, you know, different different cognitive distractions or things like that you mean aren't clear in in what sense you mean you mean do you mean you we misassess what's going on yeah well i think that happens every time you get mixed signals so then you get what's called cognitive cognitive dissonance and when you have cognitive dissonance then it's hard to make decisions i'm conflicted Right? People say, I'm conflicted. I, I don't know, should I do this or should I do that? And that's because we live so much now, not in a, in a physical world where there are clearly uh, predators and clearly family and clearly a whole big nature that is just there, that isn't either threat or, or, or benefit. Um, we live in our heads and in our heads that world is not real but it seems real when we're in it and so we get more of that more and more and then we hear you know we hear one story about somebody and then we hear another story about someone and if we don't have personal knowledge of what is true about that person then we get conflicted because we have to assume which isn't right because it has no basis. And so the more we live in a mental world, the more often that happens. And I, well, you know, you could look at the at people individually, the human race. Well, you know, what is our look at politics, for instance? They're completely at each other's throat every day about just about everything. Even though, as human beings, they have all the same needs, and they have way more in common than divides them. But that's not what they're focusing on. They're focusing on, well, we're going to spend money on war, or no, we're going to spend money on food, or we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, the, the, these guys are our friends. No, now they're our enemies. 
you know, and then later they're our friends again, you know, and and it's all heady. And so I think the more we live that way, the more confused we are, because, you know, when when you're doing fence posts, you know, either the either the post is in or it's not. That's that's simple. My my posts always end up crooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's mine did too, by the way. <laughs> I actually grew up on a farm. So, um, um, yeah, so, so, and so what happens in, in, to, to get to the thirst of the heart, what happens is that we, our awareness goes out through our senses. It's automatic because we need that, that needs to be built in for survival. And then we, so we get to a place where we, we were present inside and absent outside in our awareness. Now we've, be, we're becoming present outside and absent inside. And in the process of getting to know the world, we disconnect from ourselves within. And there's a break. And that break is, is a disconnection from ourselves that leads to discontent. And the discontent is the thirst of the heart. That's where thirst of the heart begins. And then what we try to do is we try to fix that thirst by connecting ourselves to things on the outside could be grandma or it could be a pet dog or it could be a belief system or it could be a promise that somebody made and then whenever that breaks down grandma dies the dog runs away uh, somebody betrays our trust um, or, or the belief system doesn't work in practice then what happens is we get this uneasy feeling in our chest. And we call it by many, 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 many names. Longing, uh, yearning, striving, restlessness, empty, blues if, some, <laughs> if somebody dumped us. Right? Uh, uh, loneliness. Um, and then sorrow, sadness, loss grief, there's like hundreds of words that people use for that uneasy feeling in the chest. You know, sometimes people say, I feel so constricted, I feel like I can't breathe. You know, and it's always this thing, this feeling centered in the heart. And that feeling, nobody tells us what it is. And we think it's about grandma or with the dog or the, 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 the betrayal of trust. But it's not, or the or the girlfriend, or the boyfriend. But it's not. It's actually what happens is when something on the outside that we've now given ourselves to ends, we go back to that loss inside that is actually the ache of our loss of ourselves that happened early on, that that began to happen when we were born, and that that ache we don't like. So we try to ignore it, or we try to deny it, or we try to distract ourselves from it. That we is what we do mostly, or we blame it on somebody. You know, that's what's behind terrorism too. These are discontent people that have are blaming their discontent that comes from their disconnection from themselves, 
on somebody else. Oh, it's the Americans. Oh, it's the Canadians. Oh, it's the Jewish conspiracy. Oh, there's this. I mean, there are so many. And none of them are true because what happened was we each individually disconnected from ourselves. It's part of the human story. And and it is it is an incredibly great gift, this ache, because it's the only way that you will ever find your way home by sitting with that ache, because that ache will keep calling you. It's your heart calling your focus or your awareness or your attention to come back home inside into yourself to reconnect with life. And when you make that disconnect, that reconnection, then you feel whole. There you feel your unconditional love that you're looking for everywhere on the outside. It's actually on the inside running you. And I get you- that lately. I've been saying, this is my new phrase. I love me and therefore love you. <laughs> well, well, it is. It really is like that. It really is like that. If you are in touch with your your essential being, which is life, which is energy, which is light and sound and and feeling. If you're in touch with that, you are that. And when you are that, you shine that automatically. It's not like, uh, you know, it's not (laughs) because it's you. You know, you can't but radiate into your surroundings whatever is your state of being or your state of emotion whether you're if you're angry you you'll you radiate anger if you're fearful you radiate fear and if you're if you connect it you radiate peace and you radiate love and it's automatic going up that is out of the expression of your state of being is automatic you can't hold it back you are it is what it is you are what you are and you can't pretend that you're something else. I mean, you can pretend, but in terms of what you're actually shining out, it doesn't matter if you have fancy words. You actually, you know, you're radiating whatever is your state of being. So if you're angry, you, you know, you, you know, and sometimes people do that. They have a big smile on their face and you could, but you you know, they're, all their muscles in their face are tense and you, you can feel the tension, even though the, the smile is there and they're using nice words. Because it, because you, because you can't but radiate your state of being. So, so, and the, so the journey home is to, is to come back to our wholeness that we already experienced in our mother's womb. And, uh, you know, enlightenment is what Buddhists call that state, which means to be filled with light or to be lit up from within. Well, we were in that state in the Buddha tank in the, in, in the womb. And, uh, and, you know, all of the great masters that talked about human nature and talked about what we could be and talked about what was possible and what the nature of our, of, of, of being human was, they all, they all talked about that. And they talked about that because they were fully present in all of their nature. And so they spoke from experience about human nature. You cannot be a teacher of human nature. If you're not fully present in your human nature, that's that's the that's the uh, uh, what is that? That's the credentials, F- full presence in your own being. 
And the deeper you go and the longer you do it and the, the more often you do it and the more you stay in it, you find that it goes infinitely deep. This is the growth industry that no, has no limit, will never have a limit because it's infinite, because part of you is infinite. You know, the, your body obviously is limited. Your thoughts are limited, but the energy and the awareness that are your foundation are not limited. They're infinite. They have a center in you and they go out to infinity from that center in every human being. I love that. <clears throat> and sometimes I think it's a lot easier said than done, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's easier said than done because we never do it. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's like saying, okay, well, you know what? I, I'm now 17 years old and I'm still lying on the floor in my diapers. I never learned to toilet train and I never tried to walk. But, you know, walking is really hard. <laughs> sure, because you never tried it. But, you know, right. and everything we learn is hard, right? The kid gets up and falls down and gets up and falls down. You know, for a while, can't even turn on its back, right? But it learns. And and the, you never hear the kid saying, oh, this is hard. It just gets up and bang. And it goes up and bang. And it gets up and bang. And then it cries. And then it gets up and and it keeps getting up, keeps getting up. And next thing you know, it's running around the block. Right. And it, and, it's, and, it, and nowhere in that time does it say, oh, this is really hard. It's almost like when you say this is really hard, uh, you, you put a block in your own way. In fact, when I started to do the practice I do, which is about basically about sitting still and becoming really quiet, and see how quiet you become and see how deep you can go into that quietness. And see how long you can stay there and see what you what you can discover when you bring your awareness into the space that your body occupies. When I started to do that, you know, I would sit down at us and I was used to, you know, I couldn't sit still for five minutes. <laughs> I was seriously hyperactive and I'm, I was 30 years old, right? <laughs> seriously hyperactive. And I'd sit down and do this practice and I said, man, this is so hard. And it occurred to me one day, gee. What would happen if I said completely unrealistically, not true, this is really easy. So I tried it. And the moment that I said, wow, this is so easy, it actually became easier. And I realized it was like I, I was putting I was I was creating the difficulty by saying it, by saying that. I do, I do wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think a lot of people are probably in situations where, you know, they've lost sight of themselves because of their partners or spouses or mm -hmm. mothers or fathers or whatever. What do you think or, about that? Or the world. Well, you, you don't lose yourself because of losing yourself. It, it's automatic. Your senses, whenever there's anything changes on the outside and there's everything on the outside is always changing. This is the world. The world is a world of change. So your senses are drawn out or your awareness is drawn out through your senses into the world to monitor the change. 
That is natural built-in human thing. It's even true for animals too. And and that will happen automatically. Where the where the 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 trick is is that going in has to be deliberate because it won't be automatic. And why the thirst of the heart, why this ache, why this uneasy feeling in our chest is so valuable. I call it the, the greatest gift we've been given other than being alive. And anybody who's listening to this and knows knows that, that what that ache feels like and how intense it can be and how painful it can be. Say, what do you, wh- why are you calling this a gift? <laughs> because it is your call to come home to yourself. But you have to answer the call. And most people don't tell you that that's what that is. You know, when grandma dies and you feel sad, that's not about grandma. That's about you. Because right. grandma, grandma is the one that's died and, he, and you're not okay. Right. Why aren't you okay? And it's because the, the loss of grandma on the outside reminds you of your disconnect and your loss of your connection to yourself on the inside. And we try to fix it on the outside, but it has to be fixed on the inside because it's the inside where the break, where the, where the disconnect, where the, where, where the dis, discontent began. So it's on the inside that ha- the, the reconnect has to happen and the contentment has to be gained again. So when people, you know, when people distract you, you know, on the one hand, they're maybe they're just living their life. They don't say, well, t- today. Today I'm gonna I'm by God I'm gonna distract Michaela if if it come hell or high water. They're not li- they're not living life like right. They're just doing whatever they're doing and dealing with whatever their needs are and all of that. And then we get distracted. I get distracted. You know. And then and it's like yeah. If I blame them, then I say oh, well they're always doing that to me and I have my triggers. You know. And I, but I created those triggers. Those are inside of me, inside of my mind. You know, when when my brother does, you know, whatever is leaves his underwear on the on the banister, you know, that's my trigger to go ballistic. Right. But I I created that for myself because there are some people on this planet who if their brother left his underwear hanging on the banister, his dirty underwear hanging on the banister, they they wouldn't care. They would just walk around it. Right. Right. So there's a lot. There's like we bring a lot to our state of being, you know, on the one hand, all of it is a gift that we didn't create. That is basically a gift from the universe. On the other hand, we also take part in in how we how we structure it. And sometimes it's from from painful experiences and the memories of those and decisions we make in in those painful experiences. And then those those become belief systems, and then those become triggers. So the the goal is not to to look at who caused the problem. The goal is to find to find our wholeness again. And for that, we have to go inside, beyond the thoughts, beyond the emotions, even beyond the body, into the energy, because that energy not affected by anything that's ever happened to us. You know, I had my war when I was a kid. My life was not affected. My body was affected. My mind was affected. My emotions were affected. My relationships were affected because I didn't know who I could trust and and what I could depend on. So 
but my life energy was not affected. The awareness that is the foundation of of existence was not affected. So so at the same time that I have all the things that bother me in in the world that I live in, in the social world or the biological world or the mental world that I live in, at the same time that I have those bothers, I also have complete peace and and unconditional love. They coexist in my being. And it's just a shift of focus that determines which one I will experience. I have that much power. Every human being has that much power. And, 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 and our power is really in our ability to, to, to decide where our focus is going to go. Wow. I love that. Uh, so the bottom line here is, hey, you're in control. Um, it's all within you. And yeah. you don't need to look outside of you for any solutions to yeah. your pain, your suffering or your happiness. To, to the inner stuff. I mean, if you, you obviously have things on the outside you have to deal with too. You know, like you gotta go eat and you gotta go sleep and you gotta, you know, wash your clothes sometimes and, you know, so that you have things that you, you, you need to do, uh, but they're not complicated. They're not complicated. Most of what we think is everybody else's fault is actually our response to something we could just leave alone. Like my, like one of my quotes is, you know, uh, how to how to get rid of stress mind your own business what is your business your business is to enjoy this incredible gift of life that you have and if you're so busy enjoying that the gift of life that you have that you didn't mind that you didn't have time to mind anybody else's business would you would you be better off or not and pretty much you'd be better off you don't have to have an opinion about everything and everyone you can just let the world be the way it is you don't, you know, it's like, you know, just like treat everybody like their trees. You know, you don't have to, you don't have opinions about the, the cherry trees in the yard. Well, sometimes you do when, when the blooms are on, but, you know, but you don't, you know, there are, there are shrubs and trees and flowers and, and plants in your environment. And you don't have an opinion about every plant in your environment. Just let them be them. Let them be them while you <laughs> mind your own business and be you. And I think when you be you, you get happy, right? I think so. <laughs> I think if you be, be you, you find you, happy. <laughs> when you be you, you find happy. Right? I think it works like that. But I've got, so let me ask you this. I've got some big decisions coming up to make, um, different yeah. things in life, um, all areas of life, professional, personal, et cetera. Yeah. How do you think people should make big decisions in their life? What do you think that they should do? Uh, if, if you want to make really good decision. Yeah. Number one, go to peace in you. Oh, I like that. The only place in you where there's no bias, where, where there's just presence, where you can see clearly without mental and emotional interference is in the place in you that is the foundation of your existence. And we call that peace or equanimity is what the Buddhists call it or uh, contentment or calmness. Because if you got all kinds of stuff going on in your head, and it sounds like what you you have some emotional stuff going on. You don't 
you know, through your emotional stuff, you don't see clearly what's actually going on at the other side of it. Because, you know, in, in Ayurvedic medicine, the doctors have to do meditation because what they say is that if you're going, if a, if a, if a patient or a client comes to you and they've got a problem, if you're not in a calm place where you bring nothing into that situation, you cannot do a clear diagnosis. And if you can't do a clear diagnosis, then you don't know what the treatment needs to be. Right. Right. So what we do is we react out of anger. We react out of fear. We react out and, you know, anger and fear and the emotions have tons of mental material connected to them. So when we make our decisions out of that, we don't make clear decisions. I'll give you an example. When uh, I got I got in a in a in a business business of making flax seed oil. That was my first oil. And I got screwed in the business by my buddies <laughs> that I started the business with. Oh, boy. And I was I was near suicidal. And I wrote to a guy who was a mentor for me. And the the message came back. He says, keep working with flax. And I, <laughs> keep working with flax. Flax is, all, is the cause of all my problems. <laughs> what kind of advice is this? Right? <laughs> then it occurred to me, probably a couple years later when I really got it. It's like I already had 10 years invested in flax. So I, I had tons of knowledge about it. I was really good at it. you know. And just because these guys screwed me, I was going to throw everything I had out and start from scratch something else that would have another 10-year learning curve. And I said, oh, my God, how incredible it was that here was a guy who was not screwed up by it like I was, who actually had clarity and has said, you know, keep working with flax because you you own that. You have that. You have a foundation there. And just because it didn't work out with those guys doesn't mean you should dump the flax too. Right? Right. So right. so that's why the idea, you know, make decisions from a calm place. The calmness is already in you. Find that calmness. Look from that calmness. See the situation from a place where you're not messed up by it, but where you're clear and calm about it. And then you can make a decision that probably will work better for both sides of the issue rather than, you know, rather than trying to save yourself or, or um, you know, or rather than reacting and n not seeing all that there is there that needs to be addressed and therefore not addressing it well in, in certain ways. Now, I don't know what the issue is, but I think that applies to anything that we do. When we make, when, you know, some, a lot of times when we're, when we're, when we're emotionally um, triggered, we make things worse. That doesn't happen when we're, when we're in our contentment place. Right. That's probably not the advice you wanted to hear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that you say peace. Yeah. 
Yeah, and but whatever you call that, I mean, peace, calmness. I I call it peace because that's what it is. <laughs> you know, to me, that's what it is. I came out of a war, so peace, peace is a is has a has a word with uh, that you know that differentiates it from many things I've experienced. So I like the word. Right. But calmness right. is but calmness is good too. Equanimity is good too. Tranquility is good too. As long as tranquility doesn't mean that you're lazy, because some people think of it as a as a laziness. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, Udo, it was just really nice to have this conversation with you today. I think a lot of us need to go a little deeper into this space and really tap into our hearts yeah. and ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that you, you know, um, that you were able to connect with us today and, and share these insights because I do think it's such a critical time for them. And I think a lot, a lot of us are struggling with, you know, how we show up in the world and what we believe in our hearts versus what we do. And I think this is a beautiful yeah. time to really tap into that. So thank yeah. you for coming yeah, on today. Yeah. Thank you. We're all works in progress. We always are. We always are. I feel like lately, uh, you know, with me getting my pilot's license, like three steps forward, two steps back always. <laughs> Yeah. Um, my instructor that. took me to a small, tiny runway, which really wasn't that tiny at all, but tiny compared to what I've been landing on. And I, I'll tell you what, the mental, the mental component to that is just so insane. Like it's, it's really crazy how, how much what we see externally impacts yeah. what we believe our capabilities to do, to be. Yeah, and it's and it goes in there, and only ten percent of what what goes on in your in your head is from what's what you're actually uh, observing, and the other ninety percent is a mixture of memories and fears and and traumas and and uh, things, and you bring all of that into your observation, and it it changes it it makes your observation less realistic. It really does. I mean, it's it's wild. I mean, so yeah. I couldn't I, I couldn't land an airplane, even though I know how to land an airplane. I mean, granted, I, yeah. I have a lot of work to do regardless, but yeah, I yeah. couldn't land the airplane because it was like visually too small. You know, even though it's no different than if you're on a ginormous runway. So yeah, yeah. It, it was. It's really interesting how that works. It really is. Um, but so, then it, um, and it's like your ahead. perception fooled you. It totally did. Yeah, yeah. It, my perception fooled me and then told me I wasn't capable, you know, yeah. which is crazy. <laughs> right. I took like six landings just to remember that, like, you can do this. You could do this. Like, the instructor and, had to say, like, hey, look, there's still a thousand feet of runway. And did <laughs> and you, you totally botch that? Did you do it? I so I finally got one that I was happy with. I mean, so, he he was like, you know, there were a couple where you didn't almost kill me, but <laughs> so so basically, you lied to yourself five times and then you landed the plane. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then I landed the plane. <laughs> yeah. And then we went back to my big runway, and there was a big ass jet coming in, um, telling me to vacate. <laughs> and I was like feeling pretty pretty good about myself at that point so i was like nope i'll take my sweet time but i did get the hell out of the way because it really was a big jet <laughs> yeah <laughs> i understand this is these are these are intense games we play oh boy well thank you so much as always you know we include the show notes so um yeah. 
you know, we'll have all that in there, but I just really enjoy our time together. Udo, thank you so much for coming on the BU Find Happy podcast today. Uh, thank you for having me on again. Talk I to you soon. I love our conversations. Me Beautiful. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.